All right. Good morning, Orangewood. Kids, wherever you're going, I know you're going over there. It's going to be a great time. God bless. You're going to miss a great sermon, but uh, golly, there's a million of them. That's great. Uh, it's so healthy for a church. It's good to see you today. It felt like winter today coming in here, didn't it? It's 76 degrees when I pulled up. That's Florida here. And good night. It's good to be with you. Good to be able to look into God's word with you and to worship. What a, what a grace it is that we get to worship. You know that. Here we are, unjust people getting to come into the presence of the living God of the universe who is totally righteous and just, and we get to worship him. The amazing grace of worship. And uh, what a privilege that is. Well, we're going to talk as we continue our series in Psalms, Honest to God. That's the name of our, our series because the Psalms help us not only understand things about God and in the Psalms, God speaks to us, but the Psalms give our hearts and our minds the words to say back to God and how to be honest to God. The Psalms teach us how to respond to God because we don't always know how to respond to him. And so that's why we're called in this series, Honest to God. Uh, what a privilege it is today to talk about the justice of God. The just living in an unjust world. Before we do that, let's bow our heads just briefly in a word of prayer. Our Father, we do come into your presence today, and we are so grateful that we can worship and say that you are the holy God of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as, as Pastor Chuck has already prayed, Lord, we come before you and we worship you. We give you praise and honor for who you are. Truly, you are awesome and your glory is awesome. Uh, Lord, Lord, Adam tried to hide from you. Cain lied to you, but Enoch walked with you because you are the awesome God of the universe. Noah built a large ship because you commanded him to. And Abram left his hometown to build a new nation because you commanded him to. Jacob wrestled with you, and you vanquished him, because you are awesome. And Joseph took his captivity in stride, because, because he knew that you were in it, wherever he was, even though it was unjust, because you were there. Moses submitted to you. Joshua led and fought for you. David taught us to worship, because you are awesome. And I pray today that as we look at a subject that uh, we all can connect with the justice and injustice of living in this world. Lord, we pray for your grace. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us insight as we look into your word. Uh, we, again, do pray for all of the needs. There's so many needs that are here today for healing physically, for bills to be paid, for jobs to be had, for justice to be given. And we ask that you would speak to us. So we pray for the one who teaches that you'd forgive him his sins. And use one who is finite to communicate your infinite truth. Because today we want to see you as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I love being a dad. And I love being uh, a chief. Uh, that's a grandfather for some of you that don't know the proper language. Um, but I love being a dad. I love coming home at the end of the day when the kids were younger, when there was only Joel and John, I love coming home. You know, kids are thankful when you come home, when they're young, when they're teenagers, they go, Oh yeah. Hey, uh, but when you're young, they, they, they scream, daddy's home. I was home. They scream. I love that. That's why when I go over to my son's house 
and I see the grandkids, I don't, I, I scream. I <laughs> how you doing? And then they scream back and mom and dad just love the outside uh, screaming inside wherever it is. But kids really like having you there, don't they? Generally speaking. And uh, it's, a, it's a great thing. I love, I love being a dad and, uh, uh, and it's, it's fun to do. But the one thing that just irritated me beyond everything, it's those, well, it's the contraction for words when they would fight over stuff. Do your kids ever fight over stuff? And if you say no, you lie about other things. <laughs> this happened. This happened even in our perfect household. <laughs> they fought and they would say, a lot of times when they're fighting over the same stuff, they'd say, it's not what? Let's say it together. It's not fair. That, I mean, that happened all the time. And, uh, and, uh, and so Karen and I would have to move in and adjudicate the fracas and uh, um, sometimes that ended up in, in a really good wrestling match where my five o'clock shadow just kind of went over the, beer, the bellies of my little boys. Made them tougher, by the way. It's a whole lot of fun. Um, there's a lot in life that is not fair. The guy who posted on his Facebook, I woke up in a bad mood today and I'm going to stay that way. <laughs> Um, okay, I mean, attitude is a choice, isn't it? There's a lot that's not fair, and your attitude is your choice, and if you want to be angry, mean, and nasty, uh, I can't change that, and I'm not your mother, so there it is. Um, but fairness and justice, though they're different, they are related concepts. There's a lot in life that is not fair. For instance, it's not fair that Jack Michaels can sing as good as he can sing, and I can't. It's just not fair. You heard his voice? Man, he sings so good, it's just not fair, but it's just because God has so ordained it, right? It's not fair. It's, it's Chuck Berry. I love Chuck, and I, I, I asked him if I could throw him under the bus before I came up here today, and uh, I, so I said, the rumor around here, Chuck, is that your whole family's musical, and you are not. Is that accurate? And he said, that's accurate. <laughs> it's not fair, but it's just because God has ordained it. And it's important for us to think biblically when we think about the subject of justice and fairness because it's very difficult to get that straight. On one level, this, uh, the title of my sermon, Just Living in an Unjust World, on, on one level, our sermon, that, that title says, we long for justice. Don't you? Don't you long for justice? And can we talk mostly for yourself? I mean, in the first, in the first instance, I got to admit it, I want justice, but I want it for myself. And you want it for yourself, and because that's just the way we are. Uh, theologians, however, and ethicists talk about the reality that there are such things called crying sins. And crying sins cry out to God, where people so unjustly dealt with, their sins reach the God of the universe, and so those crying sins are heard. And some of the times, you and I, as we go through our weeks, as we go through our days, we see people treated unjustly, and it tugs our hearts so much. We say, God, we want justice for them. And so we want justice in an unjust world. We want it for ourselves. We want it for others. There's another sense in which uh, this title could be taken a, a, another way, just living in an unjust world. Just living. I just want to live my life. Leave me alone. 
the philosopher who said, I love humanity. It's people I can't stand, right? And some of us have felt that way. Philosophically, people are what, by the way, I like people better than I like pets and animals. That's, I, it's, that's the way I'm wired. I like people better than pets and animals. And don't, so don't bring your pets into my neighborhood. They do terrible things on my lawn. I want you to know. But people are tough. And life is difficult. And so when it comes to the issue of justice, we have to ask, have to ask the question, what actually is justice? What is it? Uh, Samuel Johnson, the great philosopher and biographer of years gone by, said this, justice is my being allowed to do whatever I like. Injustice is whatever prevents my doing so. Emerson put it this way, one man's justice is another man's injustice. And that therein lies the problem. When we're talking about justice, the question is, what is justice and what is injustice? Is justice, is injustice just simply something that doesn't go along with me? It's not fair. If that's what, it, a lot of people live that way. It's unjust if it's not necessarily good for them. Is that injustice? I, I don't think so. Uh, is injustice a relative thing? that depends on a, a particular point in time. Something was just back then, but it's not just today. Christians have to ask the question, as we think about this whole issue of justice, is what in reality is it? And, and as Christians, we come back to the Bible, the Word of God, don't we? And we have to understand that that which is just has to flow from that which is from God, because God must define that which is just. Would you agree with that? Just to something to be just has to flow and be in agreement with the word of God. And that which is unjust flows away from the word of God. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to give you a short course on justice in verses 1 through 11. And then we're going to jump into a deep course uh, in 12 through 27. And then third, we're going to wrap it up and pull together as we look at Psalm 37. Here we go. Are you ready? The short course on just living. Psalm 31, verses 1 through 11. By the way, if you're looking at your watch, this first point is my longest point, okay, as so often is the case. And then we're going to move, so don't get up and walk out. I'll call you out if you get, no, I won't do that. But this is the longer point. So, uh, and this is really the meat of dealing with injustice on a personal level in the world. Here it is, Psalm 37, 1 through 11. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, it, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant 
peace. What an incredibly encouraging text. Would you agree? Isn't that powerful? Uh, even in an Old Testament context, it speaks to us powerfully today about personal injustice. And frankly, this psalm really is dealing with what we might call personal injustice or injustice against the people of God. So uh, dial it up and make this personal. Where have you experienced injustice? Maybe in the last week. Maybe you have experienced injustice, that which is unjust, at the hands of people that you work with. Where was that? Dial that up in your mind and get that present because he's speaking to us. So what do we learn from this text? We learn that evil and evildoers are the source of the injustice in the world, right? That there is so much injustice in the world today because evil is prevalent in the world today. Uh, and, and, and it's everywhere. Evildoers are those who blatantly break God's law. And, and because they break God's law or they deny the existence of God and, and therefore violate his law, they don't care about violating what they do to you. You see, it's a, one thing flows to another. If there is no God and there is no moral lawgiver of the universe to which they're accountable, then you don't really matter. It is a matter of what I can get away with. They break the Ten Commandments. Okay, here's a challenge for you. What chapter of the Bible will you first find the Ten Commandments? What book of the Bible? Exodus. What chapter? 20. How many are, how many are there? <laughs> You're listening. No other God before me. No graven images. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it whole. Keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not covet. Do any of those things take place every day, 24-7, and some of them not only against God but against you? Yeah. Sin an injustice is pervasive because sin is pervasive. Now we know that, but sometimes aren't we shocked by what people do? Why is that? Why is it that good people are some, white good people, relatively good people, that's you and me. Why are we shocked when we see bad stuff happen? When we hear lies in the news, when one of our trusted representatives does something he shouldn't do, why are we shocked? I'm not shocked. Injustice is pervasive in the world because sinners are pervasive in the world. Sin is 100%. This is what Paul says in Romans 3. Uh, there is none righteous, not even one. None seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become useless. There's none who does good. There's not even one. Their throat is an open grave. He goes on and on. Paul, what do you really think? It's so pervasive. And, and, and my, my non-believing friends don't have an answer for why there's so much bad in the world. You say, so, so are people basically good or pay, people basically bad? And what do most non-Christians say when you ask them that question? Are people basically good or are people basically bad? What do they say? People are basically good. Really? Okay, good. Then explain evil for me. Where did it come from? Why is it so natural for you? They don't like it when I say that to them, but I smile when I say that. By the way. 
Why is it so natural for you to sin like it is for me to sin? Um, so there it is. Evil uh, injustice is prevalent. And you have probably faced it today. And I assure you, by the end of this 24-hour period, you will face some sort of injustice or see it. Don't be shocked. It's pervasive. We learn that from this psalm, and we learn that from the Bible. We also learn in the short course on just living that there are two responses to injustice. The first one is to be envious, and the other is to be angry. The first one is said, fret not yourself, but then he says, don't be envious. And so really, those are two responses to the injustice that are in the world. You could be envious of it and say, I want that. Uh, the new movie, Gotti, out. John Travolta is playing John Gotti, the famous mobster who died in prison of cancer. I mean, you know, you look at the lifestyle and you go, man, he had it all for a short period of time until he didn't. And you go, I'm not going that way. Being envious of those who are unjust is a de- it's self-defeating. It hurts us. It's, it's ridiculous. But the other thing we do is that we fret, don't we? You ever fret? How many of you fret? Keep your hands up. I just want to see if I'm alone. Okay, I'm not alone. I, you know, I'm, now the word fret makes us think that we're sitting around going like this. Oh, that's not the idea of the Hebrew word fret. The idea of the Hebrew word fret is the fire is turning up. Uh, fretting is when you inside are seeing injustice and you're getting angrier and hotter and angrier and angrier. That's what, that's what the psalm writer said. Uh, how many of you now, now you understand fret a little bit better. How many of you ever fret? How many of you have ever thrown something at your TV set when you were watching the news? Good. If you have, I can't do that. I'm a pastor. I can't afford that. But uh, I want you to know, if you've done that, you've broken a TV set or something, please let me know. I'd love to use you as a personal illustration uh, by, by name. Um, and, uh, but it, it's so important. He says, fret not. The responses to injustice are, I want to be like them. Don't do that. It's self-defeating, he says. But then on the other hand, he says, don't fret either. Don't get angry. Because when I get angry, what does it lead to? What does our anger lead to? Sin and stupidity. And by the way, thank you for raising your hand. I haven't thrown anything at something like that, but I've been stupid in my anger. So just, I'm going on record. I want you to know. But this bothers me a little bit because he says, do not get angry about injustice. And as a man, I say, wait a minute. Shouldn't I stand against injustice? Shouldn't I get angry at injustice? This almost seems like something a man ought to do, stand against injustice. And, 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 I, and I want to give you a clarification here because it's not saying don't stand against injustice. It's saying don't be overcome with anger about injustice. Big difference. Students, you need to get this in your life at a young age uh, because you're going to want to be angry about a lot of different things. And anger never produces anything. James, James says the anger of, of man does not achieve the righteousness of God, right? So anger is a terrible motivation. I grew up in a home that was dominated by anger. And it destroys. It destroys. But we should stand against that which is unjust. 
And if you are a, um, if you are a news junkie, some of you might even have your cell phone on right now and you're kind of looking down. I can't tell. And you're trying to catch the news feed. I get that. Um, but we cannot be eaten up with anger. And the logic that he gives is so powerful. Verse 3, why not get eaten up with anger? For they, the unjust, will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evildoers. Oh, evil doing for evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land powerful thought to the Hebrew mind. The Jews understood they lived in the promised land. They understood that Joshua defeated uh, the enemies of God and gave them the land of God. And the land of Israel uh, is, is, is the land for the Jews. And yet, on the other hand, it points to the greater promise of the new heavens and the new earth, doesn't it? So the land for the Israelites, and David speaking to the Israelites as they thought about the land you will dwell in the land. But for us today on this side of the cross, what it means for us is the whole new heavens and the new earth. That's why Jesus took this psalm and he said in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the gentle, humble, meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so the reality is the logic of being overcome by anger not only befuddles my mind and keeps me from a proper motivation in life, keeps me from fighting injustice, and, uh, but it just destroys us. And so what does he say to do? What are we supposed to do? Verse three, I love this. Trust in the Lord. By the way, that's not a suggestion. It's a command. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. I don't like that ESV translation. I like the New American Standard translation. And cultivate faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. In the face of dealing with injustice for your, for your, to you, what did we do? We know that the evildoers are going to come to their end. Gotti got his. John Gotti got his. Evildoers get theirs. And so in the meantime, what do I do? Trust in the Lord and do good. Commit my way to him. Verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. How many of you have ever memorized that one? That's a great one. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. As we delight in what God has done for us and who he is and in his grace, we become truly gospel-centered, grace-centered people. And that fuels us to focus upon God more and more and more. And then our hearts change. So all of a sudden, we want things that we didn't used to want. We want God things more and more and more because of grace. And then what does God do? Pours it back. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you those desires. Commit your way to him. Trust in him. He'll, he'll act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. If you have been dealt with unjustly and you and I delight in the Lord, can we expect that he will bring about our just, justice for us? David says, yes. David says there will be justice. I want you to know in my lifetime, in my short lifetime, 
I, I have had many, many, many times where I have said, that is wrong. That is unfair. That is unjust. And I have seen people pass away and they are no more. I've seen God deal with the unjust. And I've had my anger assuaged and minimized by delighting in God and letting him take care of the rest and knowing that he would bring justice. Justice is big for us. We are hardwired to want it and need it. And so the truth is, the law, we have to take the long view. And I say to you, as I've said to myself over the years, many times, and the Lord has said to me, Pete, take the long view on justice. It will come. I am a God of justice, and I will bring justice, and it will come. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell on the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. It will come. It will Come. And so we have to think of the long view of justice. Have you gone through a horrible divorce and you got the short end of the stick? Have you been fired from your job and it was not due process? Are you looking for justice because you were criticized unfairly? You still have your job, but you're criticized. People don't understand you. There's injustice all the time. We have to take the long view of this. Men, Men, this is important to me. I love what Robert Lewis says about raising uh, uh, modern-day knights. By the way, young fathers, you ought to get this book, Raising the, the Modern-Day Knight. It's so powerful. It's such a helpful tool. But he says, a real man rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, catch this last one, expects the greater reward. And the greater reward is sometimes in heaven and not here or new heavens and new earth but justice will come justice will win out that's the short course on living justice in a broken world now let's go to the deep study I know what you're saying you don't have time your time is up <laughs> sort of um, but it's only up when Joe Creech gets up and walks out. He's still sitting there. So I've got a couple more minutes. This is short. This is short. Let's look at the deep course on the just and the unjust, Psalm 37, 12 through 26. No, I'm not going to go through all those verses. But what I want to tell you about these verses that are so important is that in these verses, uh, we see how, how David, as a brilliant warrior, but also a brilliant psalm writer, helps put aside Side by side, the righteous and the unrighteous, the righteous and the unrighteous. It goes back and forth and back and forth. And if you meditate on that, you, you come out with an optimistic worldview. Uh, it's so powerful. First of all, he says, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. Really? Are there really wicked people that are going after those of, who are relatively righteous? Is that really going on in this world? Yeah, it really is. See, we Christians traffic in reality. We don't traffic in, in, in silly ideas. The Bible is the most realistic book there is. 
And so when it says the wicked plots against the righteous, yeah, they really do. So I've said this before. If you, well, sort of, if you have a life is good t-shirt, that's good. Wear it. But go down to a printer and have somebody print on the back. Someone is out to get you on the backside of that shirt. Life is good. Someone is out to get you. Because it's, that's true. But verse 13, but the Lord laughs at the wicked for he sees that his day is coming. He doesn't laugh when we experience injustice, but the Lord, using this terminology, the Lord looks at the wicked and snickers because he will be dealt with if he doesn't repent. Justice will out. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and the needy. Really? Yes. Um, but on the other side of that, better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of the, of the many wicked. For the, listen to this one. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Ever broke your arm? I remember a buddy of mine was on a horse when he was young, got bucked, broke both arms. Yeah. Um, when you have both arms broken, uh, you can't help yourself, but you can't hurt anybody else either. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. David says, I've been young, now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken. So your mission, should you decide to accept it, is, is to mull over these verses and, and read, read on the deep course on just and unjust living. And, and you'll come out an optimist because you'll know that God is going to will out. He, he conquers in the whole thing. All right, let's pull this together. The long view of life and justice, that's our last point. David's pulling it together for us here. And this is application in, in justice and living in an unjust world. Look at Psalm 37, verse 27. He says, turn away from evil and do good. So you shall dwell forever. Turn away from evil and do good. So you shall dwell forever. Because God brings justice, he says, turn away from evil. And that has an application for those who are not yet Christians and those of us who are Christians. And the application for those of you who are not a Christian, and we're glad you're here, by the way, that you would spend an hour with us. We appreciate a great deal. Um, and uh, exploring the truth, kicking the tires, looking at what Christians are really like. We're not really so bad. Not all the time. But, but this speaks to you. If you want true justice in the world, then, then what David, the king of Israel, is saying is, is turn away from evil. And to do that means to turn away from your life of sin in the past and turn toward God's way. And preeminently, the best good in the world that you could do is not trying to be good yourself to get God to accept you, but to accept his son who has taken your penalty on the cross. Turn away from evil and do good. The best good that we could do before we come to Christ is to accept Christ as Savior and Lord. That's what we call you to. Christians are all called to repentance, turn away, turn toward, and put our faith in Christ. And the reality is that we, as we look at it deeply, when we do good by trusting in Christ for our salvation, we find out later it's not really our good work, it's his. He loved us before we loved him. He called. If, if you are interested in becoming a Christian, I'd love to talk to you about that. 
Come up afterwards. Let's talk. That God is drawing you. And the way to live in an unjust world is to find justification. Being declared not guilty for your sins through faith in Christ. For you, that's the start. For those of us who have been followers of Christ for a while, this is applicable too. Uh, Turn away from evil and do good. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. So there's a very real sense here. And as we live in an unjust world, he's saying, remember your salvation. Remember who you are. And on this side of the cross, David was on the other side of the cross. We're on the fulfillment side of the cross where Jesus has come. We remember that we are justified sinners and and we have been forgiven of our evil and of our sin, but sin still has its remnant work in us, doesn't it? I don't want you to raise any hands, but how many of you had a fight on the way to church today? It happens every Sunday. I was telling uh, uh, one of my friends before the service that uh, Saturday afternoon at four o'clock when I was raising my kids, that's when Satan would show up at the Allenson house. And if I was going to lose my temper or not be nice to Karen, you'd be then. I go, where did that come from? We got an enemy. We got to keep growing. Um, We need to personally turn away from evil. This is discipleship. This is personal transformation. This is growth and true femininity and true masculinity. As we turn away from evil, as we allow the grace of God to sink deeply in our hearts. I had an appointment this week with a young couple uh, that I had the privilege of marrying a few years ago, uh, last year actually, and both of them are having troubles with their sets of parents. And as they unpack the story, they're just saying, what what do we do with our parents? Can we talk? I'm not going to tell you any names. Oh, I'd love to. (laughs) You wouldn't know, but still be fun to throw them under the... These parents, these parents are Christians and they're too... Two sets of parents are the most immature parents I've ever met. They're manipulative of their grown adult kids. They're controlling. They're demanding. It's like they're still parenting their kids. You know what? This is free. Do you know why? Do you know why a lot of grown adult kids move away from their parents? You know why? Because their parents are still parenting them. It's a parent-child relationship. And they haven't learned to get an adult-adult relationship. If you want your kids to like you and love you and stay near you, or at least call you once in a blue moon, you got to have an adult-adult relationship. That's free. It's free. But uh, these, these parents, these parents are Christians. They go to church every Sunday. And there's cobwebs in their growth attic. They haven't grown in forever. I don't know. Challenge for us all. When was the last time we grew spiritually? You grew spiritually. Where's your security? What do you do with your insecurity? Do you demand it, other people, to meet your needs, or do you find it in Jesus? I know, I struggle with this stuff myself. Do you let things go, or are you eating up with unforgiveness? Who should you forgive? Um, turn away from evil, do good. Here's something really risky. Ask somebody today who you deeply love, who knows you. Where do I need to grow? That will provide great conversation around the football games this afternoon. 
you know, my family, I don't have to ask that question. They tell me regularly. But it's an incredible, but because you're saved by grace, your identity is set. And so you and I can continue to grow, right? We don't have to be insecure. We can allow God to keep growing us. Then in the long run, then in the long run, because God has done so much for us in Christ, our sins are forgiven and we're growing. Then because our, our security is set, what do we do? Well, we can do justice to other people. We can be generous to other people. Orangewood has a huge history, a long history of doing justice and doing great things. Think of the school. Think, think of uh, Jobs Partnership. Uh, th- think of what's going I don't even know all the ministries you do. I'm bewildered by what we do here. True Life Choice was started here. So many great ministries. Of, why, why do we do that stuff? Well, because God has done so much for us. And we're trusting in him for justice to come in our personal lives whenever. We can give to others. We can do for others. We can move on. And we've had a lot of pain last year. Rough. But we are God's justified people. And we can, we can keep growing personally. Dealing, letting our anger out. Dealing with it. Moving on to do good as we wait for him to bring justice, which he will. He always does. He always will. Uh, Personal discipleship groups. By the way, this is discipleship on Sunday morning, isn't it? Worship, Bible study. It's a big group, but does the Holy Spirit disciple us even in a group like this? You do a lot of that. And, and that's so good. And our young members of this church are pushing us toward justice. And we need to listen to them. It's so good. They have so much to teach us, so much to push us. What is justice? What should we go? Because Christ has brought us justification. We can continue to grow and trust the future of our justice needs to him. And we can move into justice for others. This is how it ends up. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. There it is. Just living in an unjust world, we trust him. Take your deep sense of injustice to him. Let the gospel of grace sink in. Give him time. Let him work. Trust the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness, and he will do it. I love the Chronicles of Narnia. They end, well, one of them, second one, I think, when the ice is beginning to melt. And the people in the land where wickedness has reigned begin to whisper. They begin to whisper and they say, Aslan is on the move. Aslan the lion is on the move. Aslan the Christ figure is on the move. The cross is empty. And so is the tomb. Aslan is on the move.
hear. You take it to heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may we trust you. May we run to you. May your justification of our lives through faith, through your grace, give us poise and calm and security. May we hear the pause of your feet in this place. Be on the move in us and through us. For your great glory, we pray. Amen.